Welcome to Hawker Cleaver's Massive Storytelling Podcast, a podcast for an independent publishing company explores the world of self-publishing, independent art, and the future of storytelling. My name is Luke Condor with a K, and I'm joined by my regular co-host, Mr. Daniel Wilcox. Hello. How's it going, Daniel Wilcox? Oh, hello. <laughs> Doing all right, thank you. How are you? Not too bad. I've got my can of iron brew, although I've only got one little swallow left. Oh, everyone hates that last swallow. Yeah, it's mostly spit. <laughs> it's just flat and spitty and yeah. library. I don't actually drink How's, iron brew. You, you are, so you don't drink iron brew? I don't drink iron brew. It's the best drink behind, uh, behind like Coca-Cola, I think. Milk. Milk's good. Milk, milk is glorious. Beer. I've had a recent thing about wheat beer. Wheat beer or wheat? Oh, wheat beer, yeah. Have okay. you ever tried uh, Blue Moon? I haven't. No, it's good, man. That that or like a Desperado or something like that. Super refreshing. <laughs> How does it vary to regular beer? Hop beer? Uh, well, I just know that there's one beer, Blue Moon. It has a very... It just seems to really hit the spot. <laughs> and I can't, I can't describe, uh, describe it any better than that because it still just tastes like beer, but um, it just tastes very good. So I'm not a big fan of like the, the ales. Everyone seems to be going for ales these days. No, people are going ale mad. They have, yeah. And I always drink them and think, you know what? I would have been better with Desperado. Mm. Like ale nice... and gin. You like gin or you don't like gin? Oh, no. Everyone's just gone for ale and gin. Yeah, it's a weird cocktail. Well, <laughs> I call it Gale. <laughs> yeah. Now, just give me, give me a cider. Give me a, give me a honey Jack Daniels, and I'll, I'll have a good night. Yeah. Just, just uh, stay away with that like black sambuca. I can't, oh. can't smell it anymore. <laughs> Why? What was your experience of black sambuca that pushed you over the edge? The last time I had black sambuca was at Cat's uh, brother's wedding. This is one of the earlier times. Like I'd not, I'd met their family obviously many times, but. This was like Kat's extend, extended family were there, like, you know, aunties and uncles and grandparents and stuff. And I had some black sambuca and fell asleep on the uh, on the like, sofa next to the dance floor. Wow. Yeah. That's one way to do it. So that's uh, my their impression of me. Have you, had, sleeps. have you had pink sambuca? Mm, no, I think so. Actually, not too bad. Not that we condone drinking in any way, shape or form. I, I think drinking's great as long as you, you do it responsibly. I I don't drink too much actually. I only drink like through two drinks a week at the most. I imagine. Okay, I'm off to a a wedding this weekend where I found out only about a week ago that it's it's um, long time family friends, and I've only just found out that the mother is incredibly against drinking and has already ordered the bar people to cut people off the minute they start getting tipsy. So I've considered that a bit of a challenge and i'm gonna i'm gonna see what happens because you're gonna take some pre-drinks some frosty jacks i might take some pranks stick them inside my uh my jacket little hip flask maybe one of those straws that goes up the sleeve yeah what i've never seen a straw go up the sleeve (laughs) well yeah how's that i guess you could like put like lean your chin on your hand and suckle on your palm yeah. <laughs> Damn, what are you doing? Nothing. Thinking. <laughs> just pondering life. Did you ever do that in school where you used to feed your headphone up your arm and then just lean on it while you're in class? No. But, but back when I was in school, what, 15 years ago or something, we didn't really have headphones. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, okay. Well, 
I forget sure how were. young I am. <laughs> sure there were headphones around, but like mm, I seem to remember there were more of the spongy over-ear variety. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah. Could, they weren't so much in it. I think it was when Apple started to, you know, iPods started to get big that people had the in-ears. Yeah, yeah, I remember those ones you had to really squeeze in your ear. Yeah, yeah. pop them in. Oh, <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> Besides earphones and drinking, how is the uh, the writing going? Yeah, it's going glorious. I've had um, a big writing day today. Took some time off work. Managed to smack out a good 6,000 words, um, which wow. has wow. been nice. Yeah, I uh, that was a target I'd set for myself because um, what I was just saying to you a minute ago before we, we went live, that it's been a little while since I've sort of hit any big word counts. I've been going for a bit of um, trudging through the mud a bit, trying to get back into a story that I'd had, I had to leave after I got a good chunk of the way into it and come back to it. And because of that pause, it's taken a lot longer to get back into the groove of the story than I would have liked, but I'm on a roll now. I'm starting to remember the characters, remembering where they were going and making some headway. So I've got um, another few days off this week. I'm going to see if I can smash a few more counts out of the park, hit up some cafes and crack on with a story. What cafe do you go to when you do some writing? Go through to a bit of a mix. I found a new place actually on um, on the university campus uh, last week or so. We were having a bit of a wonder with some people. And it's actually in one of the old accommodations I used to live when I was at university. And it yeah. used to be a bar. And we just happened to go up there just to see what it was like, sort of, I don't know, eight years on. And they've converted the entire thing into this really st- smart um, study space. I'll, I'll have to send you a few pictures, but. It's got Wi-Fi, it's got really comfy seats, it's got little booths, it's got a table tennis table, it's got a pool table, and it's just, I imagine it's not really just for anyone to walk into, but <laughs> right, okay. it's very Exclusive. cozy. Members club. Bit of a members yeah. club with no doorman. <laughs> um, and then other than that, into I like sitting in our water stones and going into the top of the cafe there, into the Cafe W. I've been to that cafe before, many years ago. Yeah? <laughs> like when I was 18, so nearly what two decades ago two decades ago that's insane <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um can you i can't imagine there are cafes now i don't have wi-fi that sounds insane to me Joe, you know it was surprising i went last week or so and i actually went to about three different cafes on the lunch break and none of them had wi-fi i don't know if they were just down or if there was a glitch in the matrix but that's bad business practice i think like, like, wi-fi is how you get people in you it is with free wi-fi and then they then they buy a coffee or, uh, in fact, there's, there's there's one cafe in Manchester that does it. So instead of paying for your drink, you pay for your time there, and you get free drinks and free uh, food and whatever like toast and biscuits and muffins and stuff. So it's all free or whatever you want. What? But you pay for your pay for your time. So it's like two pounds sixty an hour or something like that. Um, How is that a good business model? Well, I think in some places like. They have someone buys like a <laughs> it's what I do. I buy like a filter coffee, it's the cheapest coffee you can get. It's like 99 pence, 49 pence if you take your own cup. Um, and then we just you know rinse the Wi Fi, <laughs> torrenting, <Wow>. and <laughs> but like, Fair um, enough. just using their plug sockets, you know, getting my getting the juice from the uh, the electrics. That's the dangerous finding somewhere that has a plug socket that has an available seat near the plug socket. If you're if you're going for the nomad lifestyle, that's that's yeah. that's a tricky part. Yeah, yeah. How's it? How's your writing? Uh, well, we're mainly doing 
short story work and like catching up on stuff for the other stories um and also working on keith um about half an hour into it now got a few parts cast interestingly uh got a few um so some of the live action stuff i I don't really know how to do it or how it's going to work so i've been talking (laughs) to an actual director friend who um does you know more like commercial work and stuff but um he travels the world doing this kind of stuff. I've asked him to maybe help out with those bits and he's really interested in doing that. So nice. um, I think it's all going to work out. I, I, I made a little snippet and I shared that around privately to some people and they watched it and they were like, yeah, I think it's going to work because it, this, because this film is so specific in the way, uh, in the way it functions. It's not like a normal film. There's always the question of, is it going to, even though I've made a short film version of it, this is slightly different again. Um, and it's always a question of, uh, theoretically, it could work, but practically, you never know until you've until you put it down on paper, if you know what I mean, and, and have a look at it. Um, but I made like a little three minute snippet, and it and it looks like it's going to work. So nice. Um, that's like, where I'm at. It's like any big project, isn't it? You just chip away, chip away, chip away, and then it's only once the overall piece is all together that you can actually look at what works, what are the fast bits, the slow bits, and actually make those changes that make it all smooth yeah i think a lot of people think that uh writing especially is like you start at the chapter one and it's perfect all the way through to the end but mm. it's it's a lot more like painting like you know you sketch out some loose shapes and designs and you, and you put some uh watercolors over there or like a, a few um blank sort of filler color sort of thing and then you try something there you uh smudge that a bit there. do you know what i mean you, you constantly sort of uh, experiment and as you go until you build towards the final the final uh painting yeah absolutely i I think i ran i've run about four edits now on on the last book that i finished that it hasn't been released yet but each time i found something each time i finished it and thought you know what it's done and then when i've gone back to look at it again there's been something else whereas i'm going through i've gone huh that doesn't yeah. quite make sense or oh that could change or i could add bits here and tweak bits there and it, uh yeah it's it's good to step back, see that bigger picture and understand that your first draft isn't the final draft. Yeah. Plus like, what's that saying? They're never, these projects are never finished. They're just abandoned. You get oh, yeah. to the point where you can't, you need to stop. You need to move on to the next thing. Diminishing returns. You don't get anything exactly, more out yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so dude, um, big whoop, big whoop. Um, okay. My big whoop was a bit of a surprise this week because it's not writing related. It's not book related. Um, I was going to do my little experiment with Huel, but I'll save that for another time. Um, is actually that I'm now a father of 14. So I basically had a fish and then, well, I bought three fish a couple okay. of years back. Pardon? You said it was, you had a fish. Just wondering how painful that was. I, it, it slipped right out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I had three fish a couple of years ago. Two of them died. I had one lonely by itself for a while. My granddad's fish decided to have baby, so he gave me... Well, I basically asked for two fish, and he gave me five teeny tiny baby goldfish, which are now all swimming happily in my tank, and they're all very, very healthy and fine. And then as I was cleaning my tank out uh, two days ago, got a new filter, very exciting, I found... Well, I basically found what I thought was a piece of poop and it turned out to have two eyes and it was swimming around the tank. And then the more I explored, I realized I've got That's eight. About me. <laughs> I've now got 
eight little baby fish just swimming around my tank and at closer inspection two more of my fish are pregnant so um how can you tell I, just bloated around the middle yeah to be fair one of them a couple of weeks ago i did say looked very pregnant uh and yeah you can tell they they, they do bloat and swell like a pregnant belly and yeah two of them are definitely pregnant i'm looking at them now um so yeah i've now got 14 fish with a possible another gazillion on the way in a tank that i was told should only house two fish which has had six living happily for about six months yeah you've got to start worrying when there's so many of them they start to plan a revolt (laughs) (laughs) i'm imagining that net scene in finding nemo where they're all trying to swim down but they're just smashing the glass yeah well that's cool are you have you always had fish i haven't but i've always been a fan of fish um and when when i lived when i moved and went to university that was one of the first things i got was actually a fish tank with a couple of fish and they did all right but yeah i just always wanted fish because they're easy to keep and there's something mesmerizing about watching them i could literally watch them for hours interesting so i've never Mm. never had fish and i've always kind of because i've always grown up with dogs and cats fish always seem like the oh don't put them in a fish tank (laughs) no they don't like it they just don't need to get out and uh, yeah, but I just I don't know. I've never really I can imagine liking having a fish if I did have one, but I would never have the impetus to get one. If that makes sense, yeah, yeah. going to let me go out and get one unless I find one. No, well, this is it. I wasn't going to get any more fish, and then my granddad was like, "My fish has had lots of fish. Do you want any?" Before I flushed them down the toilet, so I was like, "Hell yeah!" And now I've got far too many. Yeah. It's That's fine. Cool. Then they're happy, and if they're not, then they're fish. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know what more to say to that. What's your uh, big whoop? My big whoop is um, Resident Evil Seven. Have Ooh. you played it? Have you played any sort of Resi games or anything? Is that when did that one come out? Last year, I think. Maybe I think I played that one on VR. What? I don't know how you managed that. Like, oh, I didn't. It's, it's <laughs> <laughs> so I, I can I can watch like the the scariest horror films and read scariest horror books, but games, just whatever it is, it's because you. I think it's because you're the, you've got agency uh, in in the sort of the character's demise, um, but it just freaked me out. And I just start walking super slow and like I have to put my face right on the TV, turn the brightness up, so just I don't nothing can jump out at me. And obviously that makes it worse. <laughs> it's not really better if you just sort of go gung ho a bit and just start just keep pushing forward, but. I had to take so much time to go around these corners. And then when something does jump out, it just freaks me out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as a VR, I can't, I don't even think that's even playable. Like even. No, I had um, a friend literally hand me the VR headset. It was his game. And I came over to hang out and he handed me the headset and I put it on and he loaded it from a particular point. He was like, have a go at this. And in true um, game fashion, I went into a room and it was filled with ammo and, and medicine. So I was like, holy shit, that means that something big's going to happen. And as I came out of the room and some crazy bitch just appeared and just grabbed my VR arm and started eating it. And I was like, holy crap. So what a chainsaw. Um, oh, no, I don't I know what you mean. That's, uh, that's fairly near the start. I've done that yeah, now. yeah. It was, it was intense. I don't, I don't, yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, I don't know about you. Do you ever play horror games on consoles in the daytime? Well, um, well, I don't really play horror games on consoles too much. That's the thing. But um, when I have, I actually find it better, less scary at night because you what? know, when, like, the, you remember like the sun or there's light on the screen. And you can't quite see 
in the in the little corners on the screen. Do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> right. there's no glare. You can see every well as much as you can. But yeah. that game, especially, like you can only see like what's just in front of your face. And why you know you're running away from something? Why are you running so slowly? Oh, like, I don't know. There's a guy One like, speed. One like speed behind you. Yeah, it's, it's insane. But yeah, <laughs> that's that's a big word. I'm just um, I haven't played many horror games. Um, I remember I remember playing Dead Space Two. I think I borrowed it off of a friend who told me how scary yeah. it was. And in true fashion, I waited until half ten at night, sat about <laughs> half a year away from the TV, full volume, everything. And yeah. yeah, literally, I think I played about 20 minutes of the game and then turned it off because I <laughs> shut my pants. Those games, there is at the start, say, for, full, for the full immersion, make sure you're wearing headphones, turn the sound up, and they have like a, the gamma, set the gamma thing so you can't see this black square. And you're like, no, yeah. thank you. I'll do the exact opposite of that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be scared, but I don't want to be yeah paralyzed there is a part of me that thinks um i actually quite like that i'm still scared of the because like with films when i grew up um watching horror films the first time you watch a few horror films they really freak you out and then you you become like a bit like immune to them um yeah and like nowadays i still love watching horror films but it's very rare that something really sort of gives me that same thrill uh whereas a game the games still do it mm. so i kind of don't want to lose that to some to some extent don't want to get desensitized. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Oh, oh, fun. So uh, today, then, um, today, this is the very first episode of the Massive Storytelling Podcast. Um, Woohoo! Podcast as you've always known, but just under a new banner with some new uh, jingles and jangles <laughs> and all those little bits <laughs> in between. Um, but it is going to be the, the last one for a little while. Um, Tell, we've not put the episode of this out for a little while just because we both are super busy I'm making uh, a feature film never done that before Dan you're doing like a, a crazy trilogy of books which are set to like get to number one on the Amazon store or something like, something <laughs> <mad> like <laughs> that <laughs> um, so at the minute we're just kind of like completely under it and we thought let's just because this show especially especially because we want to make this show um, we want to do like the Patreon stuff we want to do like, the extra bits and behind the scenes bits and um, we can't really do that at the minute. We can't really dedicate the time. So we feel like we're kind of shortchanging people. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a shame. But at the end of the day, that we we started this podcast because we wanted to talk to cool people. We wanted to give um, the audience an insight into other people's processes and what they're doing. And we still want to do all of that. But at the minute, it's it's just it's just finding the time to do so. And it's we want to, like you say, deliver the best experience we can possible. And until we do able to do that, then we'll we'll freeze for a little while. But um, I don't I don't see it being forever. I'm I'm more than excited to get back into this once things are sort of quieting down a bit and we can get back in and give it our all. Like you say, it's we, there's a lot that we want to do here, and it's just making sure that we can actually give the best experience we can. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so today for this episode, we're going to be talking to a guy. I was watching. I'm a big fan of the Rebel Without Crew book. Um, and I came across they were doing a TV show um, based on the same idea. So if you didn't know, Robert Rodriguez, uh, really famous director, he's done um, El Mariachi, he made for $7,000. Um, like this is about 10, uh, 20, 25 years ago now or something. Uh, but it's a, it's a big, really inspiring story in this book. And he decided to make a TV show about it. I've been watching the TV show and I found this guy who... Uh, it's just like a really interesting guy. He's got a lot of cool things to say. And we 
we got him on the show. This was actually recorded since few how long ago now, Dan? Three weeks? about six weeks. Wow, six weeks. Jesus Christ. Um, so we got this guy. Sorry, on the show. Andrew. <laughs> he was uh, an absolute star. He <laughs> was. We didn't. We just talk about filmmaking, but we we talked about um, deciding if you should go out and make films or um, if you should go out and be, be a creator of some sort. Um, so I think there's a lot here for people to to dig into. Quite broad ranging. Very very fun. Very very yeah, much enjoyed yeah. this interview. So enjoy the enjoy the episode, and we won't be too long. We'll be back before you know it. Annoying you. <laughs> See you soon. Alejandro Montoya Marin is a rebel. He's a rebel without a crew. He was born in Texas and raised in Mexico. Alejandro is a director of short films, feature films, music videos, and you can currently be see- seeing him on El Rey Network's Rebel Without a Crew, the TV show, where you can watch him and four other filmmakers following the steps of legendary filmmaker Robert Rodriguez, where you have to write and direct a feature-length film for $7,000. So welcome to the show, Alejandro. We are welcome. We love that you're here. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. So um, what, have you, what have you been geeking out on recently, dude? What have you been watching or, or listening to? Oh, man, so many things. I, um, I am going to be seeing... Uh, I'm a really aficionado for music. I love hmm. music, whether it's in Spanish or Italian or English. I, I just love music. And uh, right now, uh, what I'm prepping for is on Monday, we're going to go see a band named Big Feet. I don't know if you guys heard of them. They're fantastic. And uh, a week after that, we're going to go see Beach House. I've heard of Beach House. I haven't heard them, but I'm sure I've heard of them. Yeah. But like movie-wise, I um, I just, I've been watching this Netflix documentary called uh, Wild Wild Country. Yeah. Which is about a cult that started in, in I want to say Portland. It's pretty fantastic. I'm like an episode... Uh, I'm one episode away from finishing it. And that's really cool because like we were watching it and I was, if this were a movie, we will all be watching the movie going, Oh, this is so exaggerated. Yeah. <laughs> it happened. And it's scary that that happened. Um, yeah. That's really good. Um, and what else? What else have I been watching? Uh, that's pretty much it. I'm really excited about the Avengers movie. That looks pretty cool. Oh my yeah. God. Oh my God. Yeah. It was it two, it's two weeks time or something. It's uh, it just around the corner. Yeah. Yeah, it looks fantastic. I, it feels like they, they wrote this map at the beginning of this whole universe. And they've, all right, got that, got that. All right, here we go. <laughs> this is what we've been working for. And I applaud them. I'm a DC guy, but I applaud mm, yeah. them because it looks so much fun. Yeah, if you it's so incredible how. To, oh, sorry, calm down. Sorry, calm down. That was just, it's so incredible how how big they've managed to make it to go from what felt big in the first Avengers film to kind of constantly stepping up. And yeah. I do kind of wonder where their limit's going to be. But oh man, no, it, it looks fantastic. So I'm pretty excited about that. Mm. Other than that, just you know, same old, same old. I'm writing another movie, so that's basically taking the majority of my time. Yeah, and the day job, of course, for the answering phone calls and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Doing podcasts with people yeah. in the UK, you know, pretending like I'm working. <laughs> if this isn't a testament to multitasking, I don't know what is. Yeah, exactly. Right. I'm also making a, a, a coffee as we. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Balloon I'm animals. The well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Alejandro, take us back to uh, you as a, a little boy. What what sort of got you hooked on films in the first place? What made you want to become a director? Honestly, it's like. 
I remember seeing my first movie when I was a kid. It was an animation from Spain that I just like fell in love with. And uh, the experience of being in the theater and seeing everything like really big and the sound and the popcorn and all that, just like I just immediately became fixated with with film. And it's surprising because I was like three. So my mom has always been blown away that I remember this. But ever since I was a kid, I don't know, man, like my parents um, have always watched movies, but like no one in my family is as fixated with the art. You know what I mean? Like I have cousins that are like cinephiles, but no one actually turned it into a career and um i did a play when i was a kid and it was the uh it was braveheart we did braveheart <laughs> cool. but in mexico <laughs> had the, we didn't have kilts obviously so i just took a bunch of my aunt's skirts and like <laughs> and we nice. just did braveheart in front of the school and and from there um I started doing like short films and I, I, I didn't know that this was a career. I just watched movies and I loved it until one, one of my friends was like, you should be a director. And I was like, Oh shit, you can do that. Like, I just felt like that wasn't something that was obtainable. Yeah. And, and people like Robert Rodriguez and Kevin Smith and Quentin Tarantino were the ones in the independent room. Obviously you have your, your Kubrick's, your Spielberg's, your Scorsese's, you, you know, that's different. But then, then this surge of independent filmmakers came up, and that just gave like everyone hope. Like, holy shit, I can possibly do this. Yeah. So by doing so, um, we moved. Uh, we were in Mexico, so like my whole mentality was: you have to maintain and you have to learn English perfectly because you're going to be writing for an English market. Yeah. So the whole time I was me practicing with well, what's relevant in pop culture? What's funny for English-speaking audiences? Because at one point I was like, I'm going to study this one day. I will be doing film one day. And um, how old were you at that point? Like 13, 14. So I studied marketing in Mexico and then that would just help me to help promote my projects, whether it be social media wise or making projects that I feel are marketable. Like I understand money is not, I'm not reinventing the wheel with it. It's not, (laughs) it's just fun. It's just a fun movie. It's like something that I would like to see. So how can we make it marketable? Oh, let's grab the name of every language knows Monday. Boom, there's something. And then from there, how can we start making something that's marketable, but at the same time, sort of original that has its own voice. Yeah. And then from there, I went to study film in Vancouver in Canada because, uh, you know, Kevin Smith is one of my, my, my favorite filmmakers. And I didn't want to go to L.A., one, because I couldn't afford it. I just couldn't afford it. <laughs> and two, um, I, started, I just thought it was, like, too much or mm. too, like, it's been done before. So I was like, you know what? I want to go to Canada. Like, I started doing research on Canada, and I love that Canada is super diverse. It's incredibly diverse. Like, a lot of people don't give Canada that much credit for it, but, like, 30% of the population is Asian. And I thought that was badass. Wow. Like, I was like, I want to know more. So I (laughs) And then after graduating, we came to Albuquerque because of the sudden surge of of, a film that the state has thanks to Breaking Bad and The Avengers and a bunch of other movies that I've shot here. Uh, So we came here, and I've been here... For nine years. Wow. 
So uh, were there any sort of specific films as you were a kid? I, for me, it was like Master of the Universe. I used to, in Gremlins 2, he used to watch them over and over and over again until I wore out the tapes. Were there any films like that that you were like, yeah, like fixated on? Yeah. A super cliche, though. Like, they're super cliche. Like, Star Wars is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, you guys are my age, right? I'm 36. I'm 30. Dan's I'm 27. Dan's really oh, young. this is this is like well back when i was younger like when i was a teenager uh, i I don't know how it was over there but in mexico you liking star wars is not cool yeah it was a bit cooler here yeah i think when uh i don't know if it was ever really cool until the uh, the, the you were north weren't you you were you north as a kid north what do you mean mean? I, I mean, where did you grow up, Luke? You were Mans- oh, me. Mansfield? Uh, Man- in the Midlands, oh. yeah. Yes, yeah, so that's north. Cause, like, I grew up in the south, and I know there's a, definitely a divide there. <laughs> <laughs> I, wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't say Star Wars was cool, but I'd say that it, it, it probably wasn't as bad as I've seen the further north I've come. Oh, okay. Well, so you're saying the further north in England you get, the more... Uh... You just losers. <laughs> <laughs> as you're driving up there, you're like, yeah, Star Wars is a little bit cooler now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, to Star Wars. So, um, is there any of us? Oh, so many, man. Like yeah. uh, Star Wars. I was, I was a huge uh, later career Kubrick fan. Mm. I don't know why. Like, obviously, Shining, Clockwork Orange, Barry Lyndon. I can't get through it. Yeah, I've never I tried to. Honest, I need to watch that. But eyes wide shut. I defend it every every time I can. I just tell them it's a it's a great movie. Like obviously Spielberg. Out of all the Spielberg movies, I I want to say uh, Indiana Jones. Obviously, those are great. And um, Jesus, Jaws. I love Jaws. That's uh, just so many man. Uh, the You're Godfather. Uh, uh, the Godfather. I love. Um, I have a bunch of movies. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, Sopranos. The Sopranos is like one of the best things I've ever seen ever. It's I, I love it. Um, the Office, both British and American, I love. Uh, I'm a big fan of Gervais. Uh, yeah. I love um, Shawshank, Pulp Fiction, Five Hundred Days of Summer, Amores Perros, Cinema Paradiso. I just I I love like Blade Runner. Just so many genres. I just I respect and love the art of film so much. Yeah, that, so that must obviously oh, that must oh, no, obviously help with obviously informing how you are as a filmmaker to have, to have quite a wide range of respect for a load of different genres. How 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 is it that you find? What would you kind of define as your your niche, your genre, and how has the stuff that you've watched inform what you do now? Um. I look like obviously as you get older or as you start working more in, 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 in film, you know, you start off with like, oh, that's too stupid. Oh, that's that. But even movies that are like maybe are not trying to take themselves too seriously. As you get older, you start appreciating like, wow, look at the choreography in this. Oh, look at mm-hmm. the editing in, in this. It's I think Kevin Smith said it like 10 years ago where he was like, look, man, after you get a certain age, you learn to appreciate all films. Because there's a lot of hard work that goes into them. Like for filmmakers or a director, you can't, you don't just do a movie in a month and then you're gone. It, it consumes your life for a year. So I respect film so much because 
I don't know. I think it's one of the sources that inspire a lot of people. Maybe people get inspired by by reading or by doing art, but film speaks to so many different cultures around the world that it's, I don't know, man. I think it's essential in our way of life. I mean, it's something that we connect. I mean, look at this. Look where you guys are from. Look where I'm at. And we're talking about film. It's just a part of our lives. And and I didn't consider myself a filmmaker until two years ago because you have people that are just brilliant at it. That you're, in my opinion, I was intimidated to be like, how can I even call myself a colleague of them? Yeah. That's ridiculous. <laughs> like, till this date, I, I like, it, because of the show, like, Robert was like our mentor. I've never called anyone a mentor, ever. And even when I asked them, I said, can I? Like, I still ask permission. <laughs> You know, yeah. like when you're young and you want to kiss a girl, you're like, can I kiss you? And you look like a different <laughs> like that, man. So I don't know, man. I think it was one of the first um, realms of the art. That's why they call it the seventh art that I just that I just gravitated. And I I knew how to express myself and what I was thinking. Yeah. Through film. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So you say you're writing a new film at the minute. Um, when you first got into making, so if you said you're making short films, were you writing films this whole time? Were you writing prose or any like you know books or anything as well or were you just focusing on, on screenplays and films and that kind of thing yeah i just i i wanted to do short films just because it's when you have the day job hmm. you have to if you don't stay creative you're just walking backwards and it's kind of i can't sit still for someone who's overweight i have no idea <laughs> i can't sit still man. so i tried to 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 make several projects until one of them's like, okay, it's ready to go. Then I gravitate towards that. But I just, I try to make projects that just, I would love to watch, you know? Mm. So I started doing short films because they're not that expensive. We can shoot them in a weekend and uh, edit them and then go see what happens. And plus, if you really want to do film, you have to start testing how good are you? Where can you move around? Um, what's another genre that you haven't done so you can exercise the creativity of just telling a story hmm. so that's why i love music videos also so i try to do as much stuff like music videos commercial short films stuff like that yeah so um, much so before we go into the big one that we want to talk about the, the tv show uh was there any <laughs> short films that you were uh like particularly proud of that you think people should uh, go out and check out i think my favorite short film is not even the Monday short film. It's no. it's the lo-fi short film. Yeah. I have it on my YouTube channel if anyone wants to watch it. But it's my favorite because on every project, I try to challenge myself a little bit more. So um, Warehouse Games is also there. That was my thesis. That was my first script in English. So I was like, I want to see if I can make people laugh. 
and this is the first time I write in English. Then, then uh, for lo-fi, I wanted to write, it's basically about the negative effects that pop culture has in our expectations on love, but told through a woman. So I wanted to test myself if I could write a female character that sounds convincing and doesn't sound like it's written by an overweight Mexican man. So, <laughs> so that was my challenge, though. I was like, I got to write this and I got to make it sound believable where it doesn't sound like she's just being naggy or anything negative. And it's myself because this, the, the characters that is basically me about how you reach a certain point that you start seeing people moving on on like getting married, having kids, forming themselves. And you reach a point when you start going, what is wrong with me? Maybe that's just me, but no, um, no, I yeah. no, see no, it yeah. now. To be fair, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's I think that's my favorite one, just because it, it touches a lot on expectations and how certain movies kind of tell you this is how it's going to be, and then when you get there, it's like this is not at all how mm -hmm. it is. And plus, there's like a bunch of Easter eggs, and I can play with the soundtrack a lot. And that's I think that's my favorite, and that's the one I would love to make into. Cool. Can you talk us through before we jump into the big one? I have got another one I want to jump in just because yeah. you mentioned it twice now. Is you mentioned that, and arguably this is a, a smart move that you wanted to write your first film in English. Is yeah. is your um? What's your first one language? Uh, Spanish. So how how difficult was that transition to kind of go? All right, I'm not just going to learn English, but I'm going to learn naturally organic English that will be good mm. enough to serve English markets. That's that's quite a big step to kind of like jump in and have. <laughs> In your head, because I, I mean, again, arguably, there's there's a lot of sort of Spanish-speaking countries out there as well that like that you could have written an appeal for. But talk us yeah. a little bit through about that sort of thought process and how that how that worked. Well, I I think it's it's the most challenging thing was um, how to convey the sense of humor, mm. the Mexican sense of humor in America, without trying to just fixate on one sort of market, which is which I found funny because. Uh, speaking to you guys, uh, I, I one of my best friends in film school was from Bristol. Okay. And I yeah. and I found out that Mexicans and people uh, or people from Monterrey, where I'm from, and people from Bristol have almost the same sense of humor. Completely <laughs> <laughs> so, bonded by Interpol, by the band Interpol and Joy Division. Like that was instant. Yeah. Like just like he was listening to songs, he was like, "That's a tune, man." And I'm like, "Oh, well, check this out." And then we just <laughs> just, just got along really well. But it was really difficult to kind of like make people laugh in Canada. That was really tough. Really like weird. people didn't yeah. was joking or not joking. Or is so, that because they've got like a deadpan sort of a dry sort of sense of humor? Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty awkward. Yeah. But you start <laughs> understanding and then you move around. Yeah, there's a lot of that in England. I like it when I don't know if someone's joking or not. And uh, the problem oh, is when you my when granddad. You yeah, and you do those sort of jokes, and uh, you know that like uh, someone might not understand that you're joking, and uh, mm. you know it's like hurting her feelings a bit. So you, you do have to kind of. Uh, <laughs> I do that to my girlfriend all the time. She's like, "What?" I'm like, "I'm fucking kidding. Come on. Yeah, yeah. we've been together for four years. Get with it." <laughs> <laughs> but that was it, it's tough, especially with the spelling. I I never get offended when someone corrects me on like how do I pronounce a word mm. or like the dictation or what or. You know, whatever. Uh, I want to learn. I want to get there. So I watch all my movies with closed caption. Okay. Yeah. 
That way I can hear like, oh, that's how you pronounce this. Oh, that's how you spell this with S instead of C, which is mm -hmm. like the kind mm -hmm. of thing that goes on with Spanish. With Spanish, like in English, it's T-I-O-N, like constitution. And then in, Me in, in Spanish, is the C-I-O-N. So it kind of flips yeah, in your head. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So usually when I write, I'm like coming up with ideas in Spanish and then just throwing them in English. Yeah. Well, know, um, so in terms of the humor, I mean, that's what I've seen monday your feature film and i know there's there's some a couple of bits in that, that i was like laughing like howling with laughter at so you, the, the humor is coming across obviously um well good so, yeah <laughs> because our whole career is done <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah so first of all like congratulations you did Thanks. this this big project um rebel without a crew can you can you quickly tell, tell us a little bit about the project what it was the tv show that you did um what it came from the book it came from that kind of thing can you just give us a brief overview yeah, of course. So um, one of the first Hispanic uh, filmmakers in, in, in the independent realm is Robert Rodriguez. And how he created or started his career was making a $7,000 movie that he shot by himself back in 1992 called El Mariachi, which was uh, screened at Sundance. And I think it still holds the record as the most successful independent film of all time. Because it's shot for seven grand, then it's sold for a million dollars. Like something well, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Ridiculous. <laughs> and um, he wrote a book about kind of like the creation of that movie called Rebel Without a Crew. So he has a TV station or a TV channel. I don't know. I don't want to insult anyone how I say it. It's a, a channel on TV yeah. called El Rey Network. And it basically, um, it, it, you know, it, it, it airs a lot of original programming and, like, action movies. It's super cool. Like, if you like Planet Terror, Tarantino, Kung Fu, action, it's that's your channel. And they were submitting, or not submitting, but they posted, like, hey, we're going to do this show called Rebel Without a Crew. People should submit. So it was a long, it was a long process because the first it's like, you congratulations, you're top 50. Then... 25, 20, 15, 10, 7, 5. And it was the whole process where they, you have to submit work. You have to do interviews. You have to do pitches. You have to do, show us a short film. Show us your body of work. Uh, we did a bunch of exams with doctors. Like, they don't want really? us to like, yeah. yeah, shit hits the fan. And then out of nowhere, you get a gun. Like, all right, motherfucker. <laughs> like, none of that. They want to know how well you can handle the stress because it was, I don't know what people's perspective is on reality TV, guys, but yeah. they did not fucking help us in any way. I don't, I, nothing was staged. Nothing was staged unless, they're like, can you guys come in through the door again? That's it. Yeah. They wow. did not, like, say seven grand and then, like, hey, guys, you guys are getting 30 grand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we didn't. Um, and, uh, that was, that was the, the, you know, that was the, the fear, like how will they manipulate what we say and would they make us look bad? But that was never Robert's intention. Like hmm. he doesn't want to push anyone down. He wants to inspire filmmakers. That's the whole goal. That's why there's no contest. There's no clear winner. I think we're all the winners because we all got to do our, our feature film. We got to talk to one of our idols and we, screened at one of the biggest film festivals of all time so that's the that's the prize and yeah yeah 
that so, was that was experience to getting in. So Rebel Without a Crew, uh, the TV show is currently, if you're in England, um, you should definitely watch it because it's in, incredibly inspiring to me to, to watch Alejandro and, and these poor filmmakers do this project. Um, Thanks. Uh, so where can you watch it? It's rebelwithoutacrew.tumblr.com. I think. Yeah, for anyone not in the US, it's on yeah. Tumblr. You can watch it on Tumblr every Monday. Uh, by the, I think Monday or Tuesday, the new episode comes up. Yeah. But if you're in the United States, it's on uh, Go90, which is a free app. So anyone can just watch it for free. So yeah. it's just where you live, you can go to Go90 or Tumblr. Yeah, and we're currently on, like, I think, I think it's, episode, uh, it's episode four or five where they've started the filming now. So we've seen you go through the, the pre-production. We've seen you choose locations, cast in like two hours. It's it's like it's a lot, a lot of fun. And by the way, if you were ever worried about how you came across, you are coming across really well. Like you just come across as like people, friends making films and having fun of it. It's it's really nice to see. It was definitely fun, but it was definitely stressful. Yeah. <laughs> because like uh yeah, the, the the binder for the location, I was just like everything was too nice. Yeah. And then when they're like, by the way, we're doing locations, here's a binder, I'm like, I fucking knew it. but it was really cool that the other filmmakers and i got along really well because we could have been fighting through the locations but you know we just all right let's again it's not a contest here's the houses here's this here's this let's all spread out we got i think they gave us 15 minutes yeah wow Wow. just going and looking through them (laughs) it's really weird because i think that at the beginning i was really scared of having cameras on you for the whole time and it definitely takes a toll on you after filming and you trying to do the movie and then having cameras there. But um, I think after a couple of days, you just forget. Yeah. That there. You're just... That you know, worries me because I'd be like picking my nose or scratching my ass or something. <laughs> <laughs> I did that many times, sir. <laughs> and you hope they cut those out. You <laughs> see me drink eventually. Yeah. How, so, much, um, oh, how, how much actual FaceTime did you get then with, uh, with Robert and... If you could pick sort of your top three either moments or takeaways from obviously working with someone so experienced and so so big in the business, what would they be? Uh, I think on episode one when he walked out. <laughs> Did you find go? <laughs> oh yeah, no, I, I think they don't, they don't cut it, but all people were talking and I was the first one to see him and I just went. That's all I did. <laughs> I just him. It's super stupid. Um, just you know, just. I guess just seeing him as as fanboyish as I want to say because like I was telling him like I would wash my dad's car to fucking watch his movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like to then the journey that has, you know, taken fucking 36 years to then officially shake his hand is kind of mind-blowing. Uh, you know? But I mean that that instance was great. Um they, we we had we, we we met him several times. Like we had that twenty minute meeting. He yeah. stopped by our set. Uh, he stopped by our set without planning because we were shooting at his studios or at his warehouse. Come on, was... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey Robert, what? <laughs> and yeah. uh, he, he's just a film buff, man. Like yeah. after you, after a couple of minutes of the whole mysticism, like this is Robert Rodriguez. He's just the guy who loves film. He's super calm. He 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 knows what he needs to do to get the job done. Like he works out. He he does a lot of research because he knows that he eats well because he knows he shoots 
a lot of hours and he stays up a lot of nights. So he takes care of himself because he wants to put more effort into the film and doing several jobs, etc. So, yeah, he's just a really cool guy. And he's super knowledgeable. And as soon as you start talking to him about movies, he starts geeking out. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like, yeah, yeah. Remember when this scene, like, he, you know, it's not like I'm Robert. Fuck yeah. all of you. That's not him. That's definitely <laughs> yeah. not him. Um, and I think at the premiere of the movie, he turned around. And he actually said thank you to me. And I was just like, yeah. what? <laughs> That's rare. <laughs> yeah. Really enjoyed the gunshots in the uh, in the in the movie. Like he was like, how the fuck did you do that? Because this is the first time I do action. I've never done action. Yeah. So that yeah. was like that was another one of my challenges. Like, ah, let me see if I can do action. And um, I don't know, man. Like just having him visit our set when it wasn't planned was great. Just having him walk, like, what are you guys doing? I see some lights. And he yeah. just started chatting. Like, it's great. Like I guess wow. every time. That sounds good. So the the film you uh, the film that you made as part of this TV show is uh, an action comedy called uh, Monday. Um, like I said, it's hilarious. It's uh, can you tell us a little bit a little bit about it. Um, obviously, you've finished the project now. Um, if you go back Oops. to watch the TV show, you'll see you maybe you know uh, you going through the process of it. But uh, we know it's done. Okay. So how are you, are you happy with it? I am really happy with it. I will never do this again. <laughs> Just because I, I, I don't, I, I had to operate the camera. I had to direct it. I had to help produce. It was everything. And the movie, I'm, I'm happy with the movie. I'm really proud of the, uh, the result and the actors, especially, especially the actors, because we could only shoot for nine hour days. So once we were getting there, there's not really a lot of time to prep. It's like, this is the scene. We're going to go like this. The camera will be here. The camera will be there. This is your motivation. Let's run it once. Let's run it twice. We got to go. So having the actors basically erase everything that they're used to, to like, if this is, if, if, if this is the amount of time the actors get to prep, cut it in half. Hmm. And it's kind of like, People don't understand how important actors are. They're the face of your fucking movie. Mm. I don't care how production value and great it is. If the acting doesn't convince you, your whole movie's wrong. So having them adapt to everything that we had to go through, I'm incredibly grateful. Like, uh, yeah, we had to speed up everything. And there were times where it's just like, we only get three takes. We got to go. Especially because the movie moves around a lot. Yeah. It goes, go, go, go. It's not like just, okay, let's just have a steady shot and have him come in, come in, go. No, it's like that push and push and tilt, pan. I mean, there's so <laughs> much. Yeah. So um, I'm really happy with with the results. And I think that it, it, the critique that I would have is my camera, my camera uh, operating. Because we didn't have a monitor. We didn't have a follow focus. We just had to. Had a good <laughs> Full focus. gorilla. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's some shots that are out of focus, I mean, I couldn't do anything about it. <laughs> so, so, yeah, really uh, happy. Alejandro, so um, what would you tell the person who is making a film? They're, they're on the set, they're overwhelmed, you know, they're tired, they've got tears in their eyes, and they just, at that point, they're like, I don't want to do this anymore. This is fucking shit. What, what advice would you tell that person? Um, there's like a million other people that want to be in your shoes. Yeah. So you should be grateful because you're doing it. Yeah. 
really nice shoes. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> if you like, if you if you really like film, if it's the one thing that consumes you, it's like, yeah, there's gonna be stressful moments, but it's like, just look at it. You get it done, and then the next day you'll be like, oh, I was stressing a lot about that. Yeah. You know, it's just have fun, man. It's like it's it's like telling someone that wants to play tennis, oh, training is hard. It's like, yeah, it's hard. But then if not, everyone will be doing it. Just have fun with it. It's something. It's beautiful. I love it. And if you could pick one, what would be your favorite part of the process? I think I don't really let go until the screening. I'm really nervous during the screening, but seeing people laugh is like, I I almost cried at the premiere. Or like on the last day of shooting, I just, I mean, it doesn't really answer your question because, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's everything, man. It's so, I love being on set. I love it. It's just different stages. When you're writing, it's the excitement of writing this idea. And then you see shit in your head. And you try to describe it, but then I talk a lot with sound effects, which everyone gives me shit about. What do you mean? So I'm like, and, and then, and then, right. and then like, okay, this is whatever he's saying. <laughs> but, and then, and then when you're filming, it's seeing all of this happen, just opens another little chest, hmm. treasure chest. And then when you go to um, editing and you start seeing it with the music, that's another one. And then at the premiere, just having people respond is just like, ah, that's awesome. They well, got it. Congratulations, man. Uh, I think it's an amazing thing to have done. So, you know, pat yourself on the back. Um, Thank you. So did you like have a big blowout after? Did you get drunk and all that? What did you do? Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm a drinker, sir. Yeah. <laughs> like on episode five, Josh and I were a little tipsy already. Like we were just like, you want to drink some beers? Okay. Because you know, you have to do the stuff for the show, like the photo shoots, and then you have to do the prep for your movie. So it does become stressful. Mm. And not to mention that you can't really work on the weekends. That was one of the rules. You can't really work on Sunday. Because they they kind of like take you to a hotel and it's like you need to relax. Okay. <laughs> like yeah. They understand how work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, they let, they would let us invite people on Saturdays. So there will be hopefully on the on the show there will be some times where you'll see uh, Alejandro cut loose a little bit. I know that it, like after like three weeks, all I did was do the give the finger to the camera. <laughs> Yeah. Like, like, I'm like, fuck you. I don't want to talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but yeah, I definitely, I, it took me a while to kind of like adjust back to reality. And like, I was like touching my chest to see if I was miked. Yeah. And, and Anna, the hit woman was the first one to pick that up on the rap party. She's like, you're not miked, dude. I'm like, oh, I'm touching my chest. Like I'm miked. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it was, it, it was, uh, it was a couple of days to get used to, but you know, you miss it. You know, I, I, every time you finish a project, you miss it. You miss being there and like all the excitement of doing it. And then it's like back to reality. Mm. Yeah. yeah. You talk a lot as well about, um, like, well, part of it, obviously, is core is the fact that Robert is one of the pioneers of if independent filmmaking. And obviously in the last 20, 25 years, there's been a lot of sort of strides in a lot of different um, industries with the independent movement. 
how do you feel you see the next sort of five, ten years in terms of independent filmmakers? And I know there's a lot of um, people at the minute that are almost like targeting Hollywood and kind of, without being too dramatic, make the whole system crumble because they're not kind of happy with that system there. But how do you see, from your perspective, the next sort of five, ten years for, for independent film? I think with the technology, the way it's growing, I think it's going to give a lot of opportunities for independent filmmakers. If what they want to do is not go from your first movie to become to do Jurassic Park. Mm. I mean, I know a couple of people get lucky or not get lucky, but they prove and then they give the shot. Fantastic. I feel that it's going to there's there's just going to be more stages you have to go through. Like, I'm not expecting now, like, yeah, here's a million dollars. Fucking no one's fucking knocking on my door. But, like, how about instead of seven grand, how about, well, we do 50 and then 100 and then we go on and go on. So I think that it's definitely a, a way for people that are going to the movie that don't want to see a remake or they don't want to see a, a big comic book movie or something. They'd be like, oh, well, let's channel the independent scene and see what these guys are doing. Because with with, like, online platforms, it's more accessible you know what i mean you could mm -hmm. access shows and concerts or whatever from around the world so it gives people the, the ability to access more content easy so i think it'll be just more possibility for more people to express themselves in film or whatever whatever way they want well that kind of leads into uh what so this is the massive storytelling podcast we don't just ask the little questions we also ask the massive questions say question? <laughs> again did i answer the question uh dan did he answer your question yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, okay I was like, <laughs> uh so uh the massive question for today is should should i become a filmmaker and you might have touched on this before but uh if anyone out there is like younger uh like dan's age 27 or something you're like <laughs> thinking, um i kind of want to do it but i'm not too sure should i do it it's a lot of work should i not just get a day job and like become the, a killer salesman or whatever um, so what do you reckon? Should should someone become a filmmaker? If you turn 60 and you're not going to regret it not doing it, don't do it. If you can't live without it and you, like, as dramatic as it sounds, guys, like, I've talked to this to my girlfriend or to my friends. I was like, if I don't do movies or I'm not a filmmaker that actually makes a living doing this, I failed in life. I don't care about having kids. I don't care about anything else. Like, if I don't make films, I failed. It's as simple as that. Like, it's very tragic or it's very intense or however. Yeah. But it's like, what's the point of living if you're not going to take risks? What's the point of, of anything? You know, like, oh, you know what? I shouldn't go tell this girl that I like her. Why, Why not? She's just going to say no. And you're going to hear no a lot. People don't believe that you can do it. People don't think that you have what it takes, whatever. But if you love it, they're not going to stop you. Like, you know how many people laughed at me when I was in Mexico saying, I'm one day going to write movies in, in America. Yeah. I would have classrooms laugh at me. Fuck them. Yeah. I'm here now. Fuck I think them. That, that, <laughs> fuck them. <laughs> Middle finger. The quotation of the, uh, of the episode. <laughs> what you love. Whatever branch it is, if you want to become a doctor, if you want to become an architect, you want to become a musician and there's nothing else you want to do, do it. I do see a lot of um, my own friends, without obviously naming names, um, 
who do kind of suffer from the fall at the first post syndrome where it is a lot of, oh, this is what I want to do. And then they'll kind of try it for a year. There'll be a knockback and that'll be kind of like, I can't do this anymore. I do think it takes, I don't know if it's a certain person or a certain mindset or circumstances that helps build that resilience and kind of get to the level that, I mean, I'd say that my my goal in life is, is, is to write books and make a living off of writing books. But I wouldn't say that I'm maybe as sort of married to the idea as you are with film. I wouldn't like, for me, because I've kind of been up and down for a few different kind of careers, uh, career mm. paths, I feel like I've got a little bit more of a, a leniency just kind of divert in different directions as long as I'm doing something that I'm happy with at heart. Mm. Um, but I mean, to be honest, with with things like YouTube and everything nowadays, like the quality of phone cameras and everything is really no excuse for, say, the 11, 12, 13-year-old who wants to film to kind of not turn around, get their camera, pull it out and, and, and just start making stuff. I mean, everything's so accessible now. There's not really a reason not to. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, because you want to portray something because you have something to say. Don't do it because you want to be famous. Because mm. if that's the case, then you're going to suffer in film. Yeah, it's yeah. not going to. There's easier ways that. to be famous nowadays as well. Yeah, exactly. And Luke, isn't Keith pretty much just five minutes of screen grabbing software and some story? Yeah, yeah. So I haven't, I haven't sent you my <laughs> short film, Alejandro. But I made a short film just using. So I wanted to make a film. I made a short film just using screen capturing software. So I didn't have any money. I'll, I'll send you a link so you can. So you can watch it but that was the same thing i wanted to make a film and exactly. w- why not the technology's there one week no money go yeah exactly send it over it's like when you have please send it over but when you have something that you want to say like on my youtube page if you go to the princess and the musician it's a short film i did which i acted in in a dramatic <laughs> mind you it was because i was incredibly heartbroken with one girl that I thought was going to be the love of my life. And it just didn't happen. So in my, in my sense, what I did was I wrote this story. So I can't see her. Like I just, I, you know, I, let bygones be bygones. Let's, we don't, we don't see each other. Which is sad because she was like my best friend. Mm. But my way of telling her, I'm sorry, was making this movie. I get why you left me. I understand that I was selfish. So I had to say something. And that was my way of saying it. So is it's that just the, the way that you communicate the easiest is through movies, then, right? That's the reason you talk in sound effects and stuff because you're you're communicating in a like a, a movie way. Sometimes, yeah, I, I I like to talk and I like to hear people. Like I I love to go to like a bar and just have a drink and just chat. I love it. That's how you understand personalities or break down characters or stuff. It's like every human being's a character and it's intriguing. I love it. So when there's something that I want to say more out loud, mm. I think that's when I, I do movies. Like sure. uh, a short sure. film that I don't have on my YouTube because we have copywritten music is uh, called Leslie. And it's about a, a female singer-songwriter who reaches a point where she's like, fuck this, I'm broke, I'm not going anywhere, I'm going to give up on singing. So it's kind of like my way of saying, I'm not getting anything. Because, you know, like you were saying, you have friends that try for a year or whatever. I, there's been times I've, I've, I, I pink slipped my car so I can get financing for the movie. I've eaten out of canned food and tap water because I need money to do the movie. It's how much you really want it. Yeah. you know what i mean yeah. so if, yeah, yeah. if you just want to give it let's just give it six months 
okay, good luck. But it's like <laughs> yeah. happened in six months. Hey, if it does, great. Good for you. But it's yeah, it's like saying like uh, for you for writing. Did you just give did you just give writing six months? No. No. It's because you really like it. Seven. Yeah. I mean we've we've spoken a little bit about this on the podcast. Um sort of even just the books that me me and Luke have written together, we we both kind of said that even if the first books we'd written together had made no money, we'd still be writing it because at the end of the day, it's, I mean, a lot of it is for, for me anyway, and I don't want to speak on your behalf, Luke, but I'd say for you as well, like half of it's a process and half of it is just the telling of the story and, and the possibility that at some point someone at the other end of that might appreciate those words and, and digest it. And it's when you get the reviewer feedback or you just hear from people on Facebook, on email and that, those, those sort of the first, I'll always remember the first, feeling that I got when that first review came through and just going, okay, that's enough to kind of keep you going. Cause it's like, someone's heard you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so, it's, it's all heartwarming when someone has something good to say, obviously when, you know, when they trash it, it sucks, but you know, you're, <laughs> you're not going to please everyone. It's just not going to happen. So yeah, man, it's, it's, it's something so intriguing when you get people to be like, your movie this or your movie that like it's just it feels amazing mm-hmm. and and you know your art helped me through this like 500 days of summer got me through that fucking breakup because i was just like i hated life like you would have seen a very different alejandro i was depressed i was sad i was just you know like i would i would drink myself to sleep because i could see her laying down next to me but then you start realizing shit and you, you know, time is your friend. And then you meet someone, my girlfriend, and I get along really well. And I'm actually really happy. I had my heart broken because now I learn how to appreciate her yeah. and not make the same mistakes. So it's all just life, man. Life is, you know, it's just a little, <laughs> little, <laughs> I think movies help people deal with stuff or writing or painting or you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good, man. That's a good answer. Well, it got real serious, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love it. Um, okay, it's time for the quick fire round. We've got oh, 10 questions that? for you, and you've got like, what, f- five seconds per answer at the most? Mm-hmm. Okay, are you quick, ready? Quick, quick, quick. Let's do it. Dan, do you want to go first? And if I can't answer them, I'll just disconnect and be like, oh, the internet. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just put in a robot answering for you. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, question number one. Netflix or Amazon Prime? Netflix. Favorite director? Sorry? Favorite director? Spielberg. What's your favorite sandwich? Oh, that's a tough one. I'm just going to go with grilled cheese. Favorite I mean, book I'm so boring. <laughs> favorite book on creativity? Rebel Without a Crew. What was the first film you ever watched and begged for the last two hours of your life back? Oh, the new Tomb Raider. Ooh, <laughs> the one person you'd want to meet. Tarantino. How Force fast field. can you? Oh, sorry. How fast can you tie your shoelaces? Uh, five seconds. Best wow. birthday present that you ever received. My dad got me a Batman from 1989 action figure. That was the best. Wow. Uh, what film makes you cry? Several, Forrest Gump, Jerry Maguire, Cinema Paradiso, uh, the ending of Shawshank Redemption. 
500 days of summer. Yeah, no, I cried. <laughs> cried. Uh, number 10, and the last question, where can we follow you and your work? YouTube, Alejandro Montoya Marin. And same thing, only no spaces on Instagram, Alejandro Montoya Marin. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show, dude. It's been a, it's been an absolute pleasure. Hey, likewise, guys. That was a lot of fun. And uh, hopefully it's not the last time. I really like chatting with you guys. And if we do get into rain dance, I would love to get a beer with you guys. Yeah, definitely, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, it'd be nice to That's see nice. you in person. Yeah. Sorry, just a quick thanks to Disaster Peace for the intro and outro music, ACAS for hosting the podcast, the listeners for listening, our Patreons over at patreon.com forward no, sorry, the new website, www.massivestorytelling.com. Uh, thanks once more to our guest, Alejandro. Thanks again. And thanks to Dan, my, my co host, being here because without you, I'd be alone. Cheers, Dan. Thank you. And thank you, Alejandro. Thank you, yeah. guys.